Welcome, you're listening to the Agile Unemployment Podcast, where in each episode, we take an in-depth look at being out of work. We'll talk about the programs and benefits available to you. We'll talk about the job hunting process itself. And most importantly, we're going to address the psychological and emotional impact that being out of work has on the individual. I'm your host, Sabina Sulat. I'm an HR expert and author. A few years ago, I lost my dream job and found myself unemployed for the first time in my life. I was frustrated by the lack of resources and information available to people out of work. But more than that, I was just stunned by the fact that we don't talk about unemployment. I took my experience and I turned it into a book and I now coach people to build resilience while they're out of work. If you are out of work, if you recently lost your job or maybe you've been unemployed for a while or maybe you're just afraid that you might lose your current job, this is the place to be. We're a safe place where we can talk about all aspects of being out of work. We can answer your questions and we can help you build resilience so that when you go back to work, you are stronger and more confident than ever. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Sabina. Thanks for listening this week. Before we jump into the podcast, I of course want to share a success story, largely because it ties into our topic. And I have a great podcast this week. It is a wonderful interview talking about branding with the fantastic Kate Ladun. But before we get into that, let's talk about this success story. And here's why it's so important. I have a client. We've been doing great work. We go back and forth because I want them to put the word executive on their resume, on their LinkedIn. I want them to do it because I want them to recognize the work that they're actually doing. I also think it's important how they show themselves to others. They've pushed back because the way their department is structured, the way their area is structured, they do a lot of the day-to-day that we traditionally don't think of as an executive as doing. Therefore, they think it would be a misrepresentation of the fact that they're not 100% an executive. I disagree. Last week when we talked in their coaching session, they told me that there had been this leadership retreat at their organization. They were asked to give a presentation on their functional area. And there was a little bit of anxiety of how do I do this? How do I position myself, my team, my role? And they told me that the magic moment for them was taking ownership of that word executive. They felt it was important to present themselves as an executive not to tell everyone all that they did for the organization or what they did every day, but to have everyone in the organization, all the leaders understand that the organization felt that their team, their role, all the things that they handled was so significant, it needed to be its own functional area. That he wanted the entire group to understand they were being taken care of by his group and that he was leading them to take care of the organization. And that was his aha moment. And I love this because this is exactly what Kate and I end up talking about today and you'll hear about it. But I'm also proud of this client because I think they finally understood that they are indeed an executive, 
not because of how they want other people to view them, but rather by the things that they do and how they wanted other people to regard his team and how they would feel better working at the company knowing he and his team were taking care of this. That's an important thing to know in our branding. Don't you forget that about yourself as you go through your job search. And now take a listen as Kate and I talk about this. And hopefully, here we go. Thank you for tuning into the Agile Unemployment Podcast. And I am beyond excited today. And actually, I'm having a big fangirl moment because my extra special guest is Kate Ladon, who runs the company Brandwise Media. And Kate, welcome. Thank you so much, Sabina. I'm excited to be here. This is a topic that I can't wait to dive into. And I know that sounds weird. Maybe a lot of listeners are like, I don't want to be diving into it, but there's a lot of making a lemonade stand out of lemons and I can't wait to discuss it. And that's kind of our motto here. We like to kind of take a uh, maybe not quite tragedy, but a difficult event and look at the positives because that's the way we best move forward. So I think you and I are in total alignment with that. We do want to get into the topic of branding, but before we do, Kate, could you please tell us just a little bit about yourself, your journey? How did you get to where you are now? Sure. I'm going to say it in the context of really the topic of this podcast and the audience. So I got out of university and it was, goodness, 2010. And it was still pretty much feeling the after effects of the 2008 recession. Uh, You know, early 2010 is when I graduated. And so I jumped at a job that I found on Craigslist. I graduated marketing and I started working for a financial firm. Very quickly, there were some things about corporate life that I realized I did not have control over. There was a lot of great pluses too. I excelled quickly. I went through several acquisitions with this company and I really learned how to grow and scale a brand, hence where I'm at now, which is brand positioning, personal brand positioning, things of that nature. But like I said, very quickly, I realized that my employer had all of the power or so I thought, and I did not. And that came in a lot of different ways that I'm sure a lot of us remember this jarring moment when you get out of school and you go to work for someone, you're like, oh, I only have 10 days of vacation. And oh, I'm experiencing a loss and they're giving me one day of bereavement. Like this is crazy. And I had that quarter life crisis. And so I started to fan some kind of sideline entrepreneurial flames as I was just feeling a little hollow and unfulfilled in a corporate perspective. Company was great, but I was unfulfilled. And I, I think from a young age, always kind of had that plan B of what to do, realizing not that at any point I could be terminated, which is absolutely correct. And I watched people go through that, but I didn't necessarily love the structure, i.e. 10 days off and, and things not out of my control that I signed up to. And I saw as my only exit route to start a company and do things the way I saw them to do. So really long story short, that was about four to five years in the making in corporate before I decidedly made the leap to start uh, what is now Brandwise Media. I was doing corporate brand consulting and then through corporate brand consulting, very quickly pivoted into personal brand consulting as it was the founder stories that became really compelling and started yielding 
a lot of great return for both the company, the founder and myself from a fulfillment standpoint. So, you know, fast forward now, um, about 12 years later, and I'm very lucky to work with authors, executives, just like you, uh, who are, you know, bona fide thought leaders in their field field and looking to cement that thought leadership in their field. Yeah. I, I, I love your story because you had courage to do something I didn't have the courage to do. And that was take that leap of faith. I kind of got kicked out and that's how I ended up where I am. I don't know if I would have had that courage on my own. And I think a lot of people listening might be in more my position than yours. Mm. And I always tell people something like losing your job could be this opportunity to follow your dream mm. and be your own boss. And I love your story. You know, um, I'll say just to that mm-hmm. standpoint, I'll tell a really quick story around that. When I was sure. on the fence about whether to leave or not, I had gone and interviewed to get a branding contract. And I was supposed to hear back about four days later. So a lot of folks in my life, including, uh, you know, my parents and my then entrepreneurial boyfriend advised me, wait until you hear back from that contract and then quit. Because if you get it, that's great. You have supplemented your income. Um, If you don't, you can continue to get regular income through employment and then go find the next opportunity. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to them because, and this is what I would say to you all, now you have to have the game plan in place and the really the belief in yourself to follow this. But if I don't get this contract, I might suffer such a large confidence hit that I decide to be comfortable than to put myself out there and fear rejection again. But if I quit and I don't get the contract, then it's game on. I got to perform. I got to go find some revenue. My back's against the wall. I don't have a salary keeping me comfortable. I got to do it. Now, again, I was 26, no kids, no like people relying on me. And so I say this from a standpoint of, I had some luxuries at that juncture in my life to be able to make that decision. But to your point, Sabina, I think a lot of people look at, I got laid off or I got fired as a confidence hit when really, no, these things happen all the time as, as an employer and business owner, I can tell you there's nothing personal, personal about it, but don't you let that make it mean something about yourself and prevent you from believing yourself enough to make that either way, whether you left on your accord or you left because of someone else's accord, it is a launch pad, not a sink pad point blank period. It's an opportunity. If you choose to look at it that way. I completely agree. And there's a ton to unpack in that. And we'll come back to some of these things. But before we get too far, so let's let's not take for granted everybody understands the concept. So we're talking from this point of giving everyone the same knowledge base. Why don't you kind of explain what do we mean by branding? And mm. I think some people might, I don't know, have a hesitation or a... Uh, maybe, oh, that's not for me. So first of all, let's explain what, what do we mean by branding here? Oh, I love this. So first and foremost, a lot of academic definitions of branding or business definitions of branding is going to be how a customer thinks about a seller or a product or how you want someone to think of you. And great. And that's all well and good. I take a different I look at it differently and we coach our clients to think about this. I think that that definition has the emphasis wrong. It says how someone thinks about you and what branding is when done well 
is how you make someone feel about themselves. And I truly believe that when you think of the world's best brands, and I know this is incredibly cliche, but it's sitting right in front of me. And it's a great example. I have an Apple computer. And the reason I have an Apple computer is because I was starting a branding and creative business. And it made me feel like I was a creative person. I think nothing of Apple. I think I'm cooler, more modern, more creative with Apple. Let's just go right there on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like the old self-actualization, like what I think about myself. And you see this with a lot of brands. I remember I was giving a branding workshop one time and I said, so think of your favorite brand. How do they make you feel? And someone mentioned Garmin and they said, it wasn't until I got a Garmin watch or tracker that I felt like an actual marathoner. This is what all of the running, you know, enthusiasts wear is this Garmin tracker. They said before that I felt like an amateur hobbyist, like maybe a here and there runner. When I got that Garmin, I felt like I am ready to tackle the New York city marathon. I'm in the club now I belong. And so any of you who are thinking branding's not for me because it's all about me and I don't have a lot to say, or that's not my, that's not my approach great. It shouldn't be. In fact, you're probably set up better for branding than somebody who's narcissistically thinking of themselves. Instead, think of who do I really stand to help here with my experience? What are they challenged with? And how can I help them close that gap between what they're going through now, what they want and make them feel empowered about it? And you can do that from cooking classes to what Sabina does, which is her brand is thriving because she recognizes who her audience is, what they're struggling with and how she needs to make you feel empowered that you have the control to do something about it. This is not the Sabina show. This is the show about you, your guide to thriving while out of work. She has those words down pat and Sabina did not know I was going to say this. So this is not a her and I behind the scenes ready to amp her brand up on, but is I'm looking behind her at the book cover that says your guide to thriving while you're out of work. Her brand emphasis is exactly where it should be, which is you-centered. So that's branding in its simplest, most servitude form. And that's why anybody can do it really well if you know who your audience is and how you're uniquely positioned to help them. Wow, that's a lot. And I I love that pivot as I speak into my Yeti podcast mic. (laughs) That's making me feel like such a pro in my podcast. I got it a year ago, way before I launched the podcast. And every time I looked at it, I thought, I'm not good enough for this mic. And now I I realize that no, the mic makes me feel like a professional by your definition. Isn't that interesting? You probably couldn't name any specifics about that dang microphone. I mean, maybe you could, but like technical things, whatever features benefits, you just know pro podcasters use Yeti. And I feel like a pro when I use Yeti, it's making me feel good about myself. It's not saying here I am Yeti, the greatest of all time. It's saying you're the greatest. This is why you should have a Yeti. I bought it because I wanted to feel good. I wanted to have the best. And yes, for the longest time, I'm like, oh, I'm a fraud. I don't know this. And it does make me feel very comfortable and empowered. So again, I think so many people think of the brand. Like I did have a client say like, you know, I'm not peanut butter. I'm not new and improved. (laughs) And it's like, no, but I do think that kind of emotional pivot you described is very key. And that kind of leads me to the next thing I wanted to talk about. 
people who lose their jobs, we put so much into our work. Mm-hmm. And I think even with the pandemic, work never stopped because we worked from home most of the time mm-hmm. and you couldn't get away from it. Uh, when you lose your job, you lose that identity. You lose that piece of yourself. The way you're describing branding, which is different than I think most people think of it, mm-hmm. this is probably why you're successful, um, <laughs> is the fact that it's not necessarily tied into where I'm working or what I'm doing. A lot mm-hmm. of it is tied into who I am mm-hmm. and how I impact others. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, in that loss of identity, that loss of job, how can branding, rebranding help somebody? I think it's an amazing opportunity when we experience job loss, again, whether it was voluntary or involuntary, whether we were at effect or at cause in that decision. It's an amazing opportunity if we so choose to see it, and we should, to sit down and say, okay, now I have an opportunity to look at maybe this past job, jobs before, and write down those key things that really lit me up about it. Where did I feel my highest and best self? Where was I fulfilled? What did I like doing about it? And what are some of those themes that sit underneath of that? And it's not atypical from what we do with serial entrepreneurs. You know, these are people that have many businesses. You would say on paper, they're the opposite of, of being unemployed. They're overemployed. They have many different businesses and many different employees. But it's funny because when they come to us and they say, oh my gosh, I have five businesses and none of them seem to do anything with each other. There's no commonalities. We sit down and we say, well, let's look at all of your five businesses. Why did you get involved? Why did you get involved? Why did you get involved? And so For example, we worked with a woman who owned a medical spa, was a former OBGYN, and then had cannabis products. And when we, yeah, quite three quite different things. She was very industrious. And when we looked at that, we found the core thing underneath why she got involved was she liked helping women. She liked helping women feel their best no matter what. And that's what drove her and lit her up. And so when you take pauses like this and get intentional versus reactive about it, you can start to draw correlations at what are those common themes. And underneath of that, going back to that definition of branding, who was I serving when I was doing that? Because most of us, unless we're sociopaths, which is a small percent of the population, but you know, they're there. Most of us, we like helping other people. And there were the components of our job that really lit us up is when we fused our highest and best with some type of impact we were having with other people. So we just want to start to get underneath the common angles of that. And then you'll see the why your personal mission statement isn't attached to the what your job title. It's who you are with your God-given talents. And then you can either decide to go find another what that aligns with that, or maybe even create a what that aligns with that. So it it gives you a, a higher, I think, more clear perspective. Okay. And now you guys see why I was fangirling out a little bit here. Um, (laughs) So, and I like this because to me, this is incredibly empowering. And when you've lost your job, you've lost your identity, you're feeling insecure in every area of your life, the more control you can take, the quicker you recover, the more you build resiliency, which is something we talk about all the time. I like this idea of like sitting down and being very intentional. I always have people write their mission and vision statements. And I think Mm -hmm. that's a great way to calibrate. 
You do strategy, long-term strategies for multiple brands and, and people and entrepreneurs. So how can I in my living room, having just lost my job and let's face it, the average American lives paycheck to paycheck. Sure. So I don't have a lot that I can burn as far as time and investment and everything. What are like, I don't want you to give away the farm here, but what are yeah. some steps I'm thinking? I've got my intentionality. I've got my why. What are some things like, give me a couple of like concrete things I can start doing now to start that process. Hmm. Right. Okay. So you have your intentionality, you have your why. I'm just going to mm-hmm. walk through maybe the first three steps I That's would take. Perfect. Let's see. Let's do it from the angle of what I would do um, and have done in the past. Because just by the way, just because I'm an entrepreneur doesn't mean that I haven't been in the situation where I found myself. In fact, most entrepreneurs found themselves. <laughs> Yes, you're not um, fireable because you own the business, but that doesn't mean you're immune to massive amounts of debt and living paycheck to paycheck, which I can guarantee you most entrepreneurs I can have 100% that. been through. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes we're like, dang, we really should have stuck with that job. But in those moments, which feels very much like being unemployed, um, what I would do is one, from a sheer mind shift perspective and a catharsis is I would actually, whether I even had the intention of posting it or not, I would write about it or film about it or something about it. Because I think the biggest thing that prevents us from starting to take the steps is we're internalizing this as failure. And when you state it and put it out there, you get it out of your head, which is a very dangerous place. It's a bad alley to walk down by yourself. It's a bad neighborhood. Get out of there. You bring it out of your head and you put it out in the open. And I know this is, again, sounding cliche or trite, but like the first step is admission. Like I'm sharing this because I went through it. And and we can see right now, especially on LinkedIn, the world's leading professional network, people have been more vulnerable in expressing that they've been through layoffs and things like that. And I think, I'm not saying you need to put it out there, but when you put words to it and you get it out of your head and you can just say it, that's half the battle because most of our energy is spent spiraling around this idea that we somehow failed when that's just not the case. And if you put it out there, you'll see a lot of people validate that that's hundred percent, not the case. So that's step one, choose, choose to put it out or not, but I think it's a great launch pad. Step two, when you have your themes in your mission and your vision statement, you realize what it is you love to do. The next critical part is understanding who you love to do it for. We talked about that. And then I think V2 of that is, well, what are they struggling with and how does my experience and my talents help them? And I say this because it's not until you can start providing value to an audience that people actually care and you get momentum to move forward. So it's not just, oh, you know, I lost my job and I'm posting about my journey. It's I'm using this as an opportunity to share and help people. And so step two is getting clear about who they are and what they're going through. And then the very tactical third step I would do is then I would just start, and we tell people this all the time in branding workshops, come up with a few concepts that answer those questions. You know, if you're a graphic designer and you got laid off in a restructure and what you found you really loved about any kind of graphic design position you had was creativity and helping people express themselves through design. I would again, create that post, you know, I was recently went through a job transition. I was laid off. My company went through a reorg and 
what I've discovered through this process is how much design impacts all of us and how that's the part of graphic design I loved. I'm lit up by the creativity of it. And then I would post out, all right, so here's a couple of things that most people get wrong when they're trying to express themselves through graphic design. And here's what you can do. And then you become a person of value. Then you take that setback and you turn it into impact. And that's the shift that we want to start to make. And it may not even be the third or the 10th post that does, but through just that act alone, you're going to start to see yourself and flex your muscles as somebody who has value to give. And then you're going to figure out ways to continue to give that, build that confidence and even identify different opportunities that you can apply that gift towards. That would be my first like three low hanging fruit, just very tactical um, tips from there. I absolutely love that. And I love the fact that I mentioned some of this in my books. That means I was on the right path with that too. And I'm going to add my own story into this. I don't know another book like mine. I don't know anyone who's doing what I'm doing in this particular to this audience. I can tell everybody just to say like, Kate's right. When I tell people like, this is what I do, or this is what I wanted to do, uh, you know, even 18 months ago. Not one person said, that's stupid. Why would you do that? That's ridiculous. You've got to be kidding. Pretty much everyone said, wow, that's amazing. Largely because they knew me and saw it in the context of me wanting to help others. And whether you have one client or a hundred, helping someone is the same if it's one or 100 at the same time. And I love those steps, Kate, because that gives an immediate value on investment to the individual. In fact, it doesn't even need that return on investment. It, it is from within. And I experienced that. And I really appreciate that. You've put this in, I'm not surprised, you put this in a framework that people can immediately do. And that was one of the things people think, oh, I have to have thousands of dollars to invest in myself and in what I do next. And it is not, it is all from within. So I love that. And, you know, reach out to me and I'll send you a blank journal to write in because I have them. <laughs> so that's great. Let's change this around a little bit. So we've talked about someone losing their job right now. It's, I'm getting a lot of people reaching out to me about recession fears mm. and people afraid of their feeling job insecure, whether that's mm -hmm. warranted or not. What about if I have a job and I want to look at rebranding, branding myself to either build security or confidence in my current job? Mm. Is it the same thing? Is it a little different? Would it work? It's a great question. I think, you know, the biggest thing you always have to keep in mind, and I'm not saying this to add fear into any kind of fear around recession is nobody is immune to being laid off point blank. Like that's it. It can happen to anybody. So I'm always thinking about like, where is my plan B? How do I establish myself as someone of value internally and externally? So I always have something to fall back on. And it's interesting and, and maybe, you know, uniquely American because our systems and structures are that you would have to be thinking about almost how to literally capitalize because we are capitalistic on my assets. So I have a plan B outside of an organization, but to your point, it's not much different value. A person of value at the end of the day will always have a job. That's 
that's the bottom line. One of my favorite quotes is a person who knows how to do something will have a job. A person knows why that knows why will always be that person's boss. So again, we're talking about getting down to branding on a fundamental level of why, why are you doing it? Why are you providing value? How can you help somebody understand the why? And because of that, whether it is on a full-time basis, part-time basis, contractual basis, you enter into the gig economy. If you start now and you don't get comfortable, but say, even with a job, I want to just start positioning myself as someone of value. Who are my audience members? What are they struggling with? And whether that's internal or external, usually those people have the same kind of challenges. And I want to start saying this, you're going to set yourself up for a better circumstance when, and if that does happen. And in the process, you get to have fun with it and see what you like and build that muscle and some skill sets that are applicable in different ways. I like that. I like that a lot. I like what I like is like the confidence builder. Mm -hmm. And I think that shows so much at the workplace and it comes out in things like performance and your attitude and how you interact with everyone else you touch at the workplace or you interact with at the workplace uh, that you know, there's something different about Sabina right now. I don't know what it is, but I like it. Uh, Well, and if we look at it from a branding standpoint, right, a brand is just an act of consistency over and over and over again. Ultimately, when it comes to personal brands, it's usually the totality of our networks. And so if we're consistently adding value to that, we're growing the network, we have larger opportunities at the end of the day because we have more brand leverage. And so it's not much different than a company that's going to fare way better during financially unstable times that they have a rock solid brand. That's it's the same case with a personal brand, but branding doesn't happen overnight. It's providing value day after day, after day, after day. So it's behoove us to start now, regardless of what the circumstances are. I completely see that. I think if you are, if you have that security and confidence if you are in that position of losing work, you come out a bit stronger than someone who doesn't have it to meet that uh, kind of uh, change that you're experiencing. How do I know if I'm on the right track with my brand, my why, my audience? How do I know, when do I know if I need to pivot or fine tune things? Is, are there signs? I think at a base level, engagement rate is ultimately going to be the guidepost of whether you're landing it or not. And I know a lot of people say, oh, likes and comments, they're vanity metrics. But I can tell you right now for our personal strategists that work with executives, they have one key performance indicator to report on every single day during our company's huddle. And that is engagement rate. Because if you are saying something of value, something that actually helps someone to the right person, you will find engagement. And so for us, engagement is not vanity, it's validation. It is, you are saying the right message. Look for that engagement in my own posts. I'm very eager and I'm like, okay, what's wrong here? What do I need to move around? I, I'm a little obsessed with it. Definitely. And so, and the, so engagement is definitely a guidepost. I would say conversion is then the ultimate sniff test. So you might have high engagement, right? People love your content. 
but you don't have a clear path of, okay, well then what's the next step and how I can help you. And if you're gamefully employed, you may not need to, what I'd be looking at is just conversations then. Hey, really enjoyed that post that you made. I was wondering if we could set up a coffee conversation. I have questions about X, Y, Z. Then, you know, people are willing to give up their time to talk to you, whether you're trading time for dollars or not at this juncture, you're not starting a business is irrelevant, but the ultimate sense of if you're on the right track is will somebody give up their time willingly to engage with you again, then you have a nice thing to say, well, I can start charging for that time. And that's a whole nother thing. But I think that is then when you really know it's not just you're entertaining or inspiring or educating through content um, because your engagement is high. It's, you know, I've really become now a person of impact because people want to move beyond the engagement and into real conversation. So I think the engagement is a guidepost. The amount of inquiries you have about time, people willing to give up their time just to talk to you, that's, that's the sniff test. And when both those things are firing, you're on a really good trajectory. Like your brand is doing all the things it should be doing. Yeah. And I like this for the workplace because time really is money in the Mm -hmm. job, in the job place. And I've been there in organizations where uh, nobody knew my name. My first learning job was with a healthcare company and I sat alone in an office for the longest time. And then I did this uh, leadership development project. And I kind of was on this road show and I went to every location and did the training and every leader knew my name. And suddenly I was being pulled into meetings and I was um, invited on projects and things like that. And it was a, it was a big, I was kind of a big deal. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. And it gave me a lot of confidence and that kept growing. And what was interesting is other people in my department, instead of being kind of jealous, started doing their own work like that. Mm -hmm. And our team as a whole was suddenly a very desired commodity. And it was just Mm -hmm. a wonderful thing to see that organization was known as a learning organization, largely due to that group work. And I was so proud to be a part of it. Uh, That was our why. And it worked out incredibly well. Think of what we could have done had we had you to guide us, Kate. Um, (laughs) Sounds like you were doing a lot of the right things. Yeah. We like stories here. I I always tell stories in my podcast. The book is full of them as well. Can you maybe share a story? Um, We're not going to ask you to mention names, but how this process of branding, rebranding, maybe how that change somebody's life for the better, a a client maybe reach success. And again, we'll protect the innocent. So, but I like, I think people follow things when they have hardcore examples. Mm, Yeah. I can tell one for myself and one from a client. Uh, the, the year was 2019. Um, I moved to New York city. It was the end of the year and I had a stable book of business for consulting and I decided I was going to burn all of that to the ground, move to New York, start afresh. So basically I lost three jobs in once again of my own choosing, but I had, I had no professional network up here. I had not, not a client in sight, nothing, but I was putting enough content out on LinkedIn about personal branding that I had built in a network and 
I sat down with my director of operations, December of 2019. And I said, by March, 2020, I want to get rid of all my corporate clients. And I want to exclusively do personal branding. Do we think that's feasible? And he said, it's a jarring change. We're talking about 90 days to completely switch a business model, but you have a good size following. You've been creating content for a while now. Let's try it. In the first 90 days, when I just started saying we're offering this service now around personal branding, because I was putting so much money in the content and consistency bank on a daily basis, I'm not even inflating this. We did over six figures in sales and we let go of those clients and not even a like day of financial pain happened. And this was at the onset of a pandemic. So, you know, there was factors at play there, new city, new lockdowns, new business model, sold over six figures. Like, and the only reason I know that was possible because even when I was just fat and happy and consulting, you know, big ticket consulting clients, like sitting there in the wings, I was still putting out content of value because I knew that ultimately if I ever decided to pivot, it would be my brand that would allow me to do Mm -hmm. so. And I just eventually called on it. So I say that about myself because it truly did allow me to move to my dream city when I knew if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't have been able to uproot my life So, you know, quote unquote, recklessly and throw everything to the wind and just pivot to a new business model. I wouldn't have had a foundation to fall back on. So whenever I tell somebody they're like, why brand? I'm like, because you get the power, you get the leverage, whether that's power of time, power of location or power of choice. Ultimately, when you have enough brand leverage underneath of you, you just get the power in the equation. You're not the reactive part of the equation. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love that uh, the the pivot was, I'm going to guess, was because there was something missing for you. And- Fulfillment. Yeah. I mean, consulting again, gainfully employed, probably honestly feeling a bit, I don't know, lethargic isn't the right word, but just unmotivated. You know, I could do it in my sleep, no big deal, but it wasn't the same experience as when I was working with an entrepreneur and they were launching a book and they did a thousand in pre-sales. Like that was cool. And I had done one-offs for it, but it wasn't exclusively my business model. So yeah, it was, it was, and that was just like when I made the pivot from corporate to consulting and entrepreneurship, it was equally as scary. These things are never not scary. You just get a little bit of validation that I've, we can do hard things. I've done them before. I'll get through it. And in my experience, it always pays off, even when it's extremely hard in the process. Yeah, I I think there should be a little bit of danger to it, a little bit of fear, Mm -hmm. um, because I think that also means there's a lot of emotion attached to it. Mm -hmm. And usually that fear comes from, I'm afraid this might not work. And I don't want to lose something I never even had. Yeah. Well, fear and excitement Mm -hmm. physiologically is the same exact thing. It's the same exact response in the body. So I think oftentimes we just have to ask ourselves, am I scared or am I excited? And how can I transfer that fear into excitement? But yes, um, it's funny. I was reading this book by 
a wonderful, wonderful author. It's actually coming out soon called The Brain-Friendly Workplace by uh, mm-hmm. Frederica Fabridius, German neuroscientist. And it says, you know, the right amount of getting dopamine and adrenaline and feeling really excited in your job is when you do something a touch uncomfortable, but that's in your zone of expertise. So you like doing it. It's in your zone, but it's just, Ooh, it's the slightest bit uncomfortable. You are nervous about those results, but then you're on fire. That's how you get yourself. And one of the ways to get yourself in a state of flow. Yeah, I know. I I love that. I have learned to embrace the discomfort. I'm not normally one who likes it. And I actually have been living there for a couple of years and I'm oddly happy. Uh, So I think I'm on the right path. So I I appreciate that. And that's maybe the other thing too. Right now, many of you might be feeling a bit of discomfort. You're probably scared. Not great, but good, right? I know nobody wants to be feeling that, but good from the sense of now we have the power to decide, do I want to use that fear to motivate me or Mm -hmm. hinder me? And I think that goes back to finding my why and my motivations, because if we can point the fear in the direction of my underlying fulfillment, then it can turn into excitement and flow. But if I let it sit there unchecked without doing some of that work, it just becomes paralyzing. Mm-hmm. I, I really love that. Thank you. I think we are running out of time and I'm really just cannot thank you enough for coming and talking to us again with any event that happens that might impact you negatively one of the things to do is to sit back and think what can I learn from this what positive can I make happen and losing your job is tough but it can also be an opportunity I know I am an example of that I didn't have Kate's courage but I I'm so glad it happened to me I I never thought I would say that but I think I'm where I'm supposed to be right now and I'm forever grateful and Thank you, Kate, for talking to me and to us and helping other people see that opportunity. Very appreciated. Is there anything going on with you that we should know about that we should be following? I highly recommend following Kate on LinkedIn. I've been doing it for a while and I've learned so much (laughs) that I've applied. Um, Anything else that you want to add? Yeah. So I have an article, a newsletter series on LinkedIn called build a brand. We have over 50,000 subscribers and we re-release playbooks, just like some of the things you heard. So find me on LinkedIn. It's easy to subscribe to that. Reach out, connect, say, you know, heard you on Sabina's podcast. I always, always, always am open to connecting. I'm not one of those people who are holier than thou. I love connecting with people, especially listeners of shows and just hearing where they're at in their journey. So I just, I thank you so much for the opportunity. Oh, no. And I can totally vouch for uh, Kate being very open. I reached out to her to come on the podcast and I gotten a couple of people rejecting me saying, oh, you're not big enough for me yet. And uh, Kate was like, let's do this. And I was like, really? It it was that (laughs) simple. And I'm so grateful. And thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Everybody remember, this is an opportunity. If you see it, lean into it. I know it's hard when you're going through it, but on the other side, I truly believe that there are, I mean, as cliche as it is safe, the best is yet to come. So um, I look forward to hearing about your journey and please share it with me. Absolutely. Thank you. 
And there you have it for today. I hope you learned something or heard something today that is helping you as you are in your out-of-work journey and that will help you normalize the conversation about being out of work. If you heard something that resonated with you, please show us support, subscribe, like, or comment on something. If you'd like to learn more information, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, Sabina Sula. I'm the only one. You can also reach out to me on my website, reworkingworks.com. You can also email me at ssulat at reworking.com. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to know about private coaching, more about the book, more about the podcast, I wish you luck in your getting back to work journey. I hope that you've learned something here that if it hasn't made that journey a little shorter, it's at least made it a little easier. Until next time, thanks for joining.